New writing. New North. writing. New North. writing. North. New writing. You're North. listening to a podcast by New Writing North. North. Welcome to this special Durham Book Festival Christmas 2020 podcast. I'm Grace Keane from New Writing North. And I'm Rebecca Wilkie. And we wanted to share with you some of the books we think would make great Christmas gifts this year, as well as some of our favourite Christmas books. So, Rebecca, to start off with, uh, what about fiction books? What what do you think would make good gifts this year? Well, there have, there have been so many good books this year. And actually, I would like to direct people to our Autumn Reads podcast that we made as part of Durham Book Festival uh, a couple of months ago, which has a really good roundup of all the books that we really have loved and we're looking forward to this year. So we'll put a link to that below. A book, a fiction book that I didn't mention in that podcast that was probably my most anticipated book of this year was The Lying Life of Adults by Eleanor Ferrente, who's one of my favourite writers. The Neapolitan Quartet are probably among my favourite books of all time, particularly books that I've read as an adult. So I was really, really excited about The New Ferrente. Um, we're back in Naples again in this one. Um this time in a more middle-class part of the city with a more middle-class sort of um, academic family. And we're following the life of Giovanna, who is going through her adolescence. Uh, It's a coming-of-age story. She's figuring out who her parents really are and who her family really is uh, and who she wants to be. And it's got all the sort of Ferrente things you'd expect. So there's a fascination with social class, um, and the two kinds of opposing sides of Naples, the sort of working class side and the the middle and upper class side. I didn't love it as much as the Neapolitan Quartets, which mm. I just think that's almost impossible to match the brilliance yeah. of those books. But, but I do, it's very good. And I definitely think I know so many people who are self-identified massive Ferrante fans. Uh, so I think it would be a good present for a lot of the people mainly the women that I know in my life definitely yeah I think men should read Ferrente too this came up yeah, didn't I agree. It? we were doing um we did an event about Eleanor Ferrente at the Durham Book Festival this year online and some people were asking us in the in the chat whether men whether men would like the books and I do think actually think they so. would mm. I think there's really universal themes about class and social mobility and those who leave and those who stay and all of those things and that comes through in the lying life of adults as well I think they're probably marketed towards women but I actually think Mm. that men are missing out a bit if they don't yeah they don't read them totally agree I'm reading the lying life of adults for my book club in December so excited Mm. about that yeah I think it is definitely a good one to get engrossed in and I won't go on any more about fiction just because we do have a whole sort of other podcast about that. But I would also really recommend Kathy Rensenbrink's book, Dear Reader, which isn't a work of fiction. It's actually a sort of memoir, but it's about all the books that she loves and she's read then that have, have made a big impact on her life. So there's loads of brilliant recommendations in that book. Um, it's a perfect book for any bibliophile um and it's sort of, Ferente is one of the writers that Kathy loves. And in fact, she took part in the event we did at Durham this year about Ferente. And I think that would make an excellent Christmas present alongside The Lying Life of Adults, actually. Yeah, I agree. I think that looks like a really cosy book that you could read over Christmas. 
Definitely. And how about what 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 are your newer fiction picks then, Grace? Well, um, like you say, there's been so many good books out this year. I've read a lot of books this year that I would recommend, but I've picked a couple. So firstly, uh, Rainbow Milk by Paul Mendez. So this is a debut novel and it's kind of a coming of age story inspired partly by the author's life. Uh, we follow our main character, who is a young black boy growing up in the West Midlands in a very strict Jehovah's Witness family. And But Jesse, our main character, kind of discovers and comes to terms with his sexuality when he's living in this very religious, uh, oppressive community. And we follow him moving to London uh, as a young man and kind of, like I say, it's coming of age in its self-discovery, but it's a really fascinating, plotty, uh, but kind of moving book. I am a sucker for coming of age stories um, and it has a great cast of characters. You really love Jesse. I think if you're someone who needs to like their main characters, I would definitely recommend this. And yeah, I just think for a book that didn't feel heavy, like it was so readable, the fact that it manages to touch on race, sexuality, religion, class, so many things in that book, I just think a lot of people would would really would really love it. It sounds great. And it was shortlisted for the Gordon Byrne Prize, wasn't it, this year? It was, yes. Um, and has had so many kind of plaudits from writers like Bernadine Evaristo and Marlon James. I'm just looking at my copy here, Andrew McMillan. Um, and it's it's been out in hardback for a while, actually. So I should think the paperback will be out yeah. in the new year. Mm, I think so. But yeah, I absolutely love that. And then the other one that I wanted to mention, again, I think... I've heard a lot about it this year. It was long listed for the Women's Prize uh, and that's Red at the Bone by Jacqueline Woodson. So I hadn't read any Jacqueline Woodson before. She has written a lot of, I think, kind of YA and like slightly younger novels. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is, it's really interesting. It's, it's very much like an epic family drama, but it's also an incredibly short book. You feel like you're spanning this family's kind of entire history. The, you're focusing on a 16-year-old girl called Melody who was the product of a kind of accidental teenage pregnancy. And then you also follow her parents as they come to terms with that and what different directions their lives have taken them. And then also that generation's parents. But like I say, it's a really quite a slight novel and it's really lyrically beautifully written. Um, but because there's so much packed into it, I don't know, I just couldn't put it down. I found it so, I guess, really moving, beautifully written and like just such an, brilliant portrait of a family and I love family drama stories I think you do too Rebecca yes, uh, and this felt like just kind of a different way of doing that which I really enjoyed and I think a lot of people do sort of love a family drama and a yeah. big family like multi-generational family story and I just think this is a kind of bit of a new twist on that but yeah absolutely beautifully written I really want to read it. I might borrow your copy from you. you. Thank you. Um, nonfiction. Um, mm. I always feel like Christmas is a good time for nonfiction, don't Definitely. you? Like I always look forward to reading some biographies and recipe books and things mm. like that at Christmas time. Um, I've got Nigella's new book, which is Eat, Sleep, Repeat, and it's just gorgeous. It just doesn't disappoint. No, it's it's you know kind of what you're getting which is beautiful writing with a little bit of sort of memoir in there 
and delicious sort of quite indulgent recipes and I kind of just in a year that's been very uncertain and a bit sort of scary at times it just felt incredibly reassuring to see that there was a new Nigella book (laughs) that has been pretty much every year of my adult life and I have collected most of them and actually this one was partly written during lockdown so there's actually references yeah there's references to cooking on her own and um you know it's sort of it will be interesting to look back upon in years to come because I always do look back at her books um you know refer back to them over the years so it'll be interesting to to have that reminder I think in future years and it's just a gorgeous hardback um perfect Christmas present another food writer that I'd love to recommend is less much lesser known than Nigella and that's Ella Risbridger who you probably read her journalism. She's quite she's quite young. I don't think she's yet 30. She used to write a column uh, for The Pool, uh, the much-missed website, mm. The Pool. And um, I think she's got a children's book coming out in the new year. But um, the book I wanted to give a shout-out to is Midnight Chicken and Other Recipes Worth Living For, which is um, a beautiful um, recipe book, which I think Bloomsbury are actually um, about to issue in paperback, which is quite unusual. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Um, this I have the hardback. Um, and it's just, it's, she owes a great sort of debt to Nigella in, in her writing, and like Nigella, she's a beautiful writer. Um, and I probably would read anything that she wrote, to be honest. Um, so it's a mixture of memoir and recipes. And it was written during a really difficult time in her life, which was when she was she was nursing her boyfriend through what would be a terminal cancer. I think yeah. he passed away a couple of years ago and they were both in their mid early to mid 20s. Um, and as she as she writes in the introduction um, to the book, um, this is a hopeful story. It's a story of how I got up off the floor. It's a story of how to roast a chicken and how to eat it. And this is a story of eating things, which is, if you think about it, the story of being alive. More importantly, this is a story about wanting to be alive. And I think that's true. I think yeah. there's a really hopeful, sort of comforting, cosy um, feeling. It's it's illustrated, rather. it's got illustrations rather than photographs. And I just don't think enough people know about her writing so yeah really, it sounds gorgeous I would really recommend it um yeah how about you Grace what are your non-fiction picks um well I agree with you that it is quite a uh, Christmas feels like a non-fictiony time doesn't it um I know a lot of my family love to get a kind of memoir and dig into that over Christmas uh, and the memoir that has been one of the best books I've read this year I think it was out last year but in hardback now it's in paperback and it's another book that was shortlisted for the Gordon Byrne Prize and it's My Name is Why by Lem Sisse yeah I mean what a like staggeringly good book Uh, it's his memoir about his childhood in the care system and basically not that long ago he eventually managed to kind of unlock his file and so the book's interspersed with actual kind of photocopies of the letters that were written about him and interviews and basically all of the paperwork that chronicled his journey through the care system and his kind of reflections on that so it is a kind of it's not it's not necessarily all the way through a a really you know happy uplifting book because there's some terrible 
things that happen to him and it, it's heartbreaking. But again, especially towards the end and kind of reflecting on who Lem is now as like such a successful person and the things he's done to kind of make it better and easier for other people in the care system. I think that is a really uplifting feel to it. And I just think it's not a particularly long book. You know, I think I read it all in a day um, and there's little bits of his poetry in there. And I just think it's something that everyone should read because it's really, um, I guess, I don't know. It's a, it, yeah, it's difficult, but it's in, in very important, I think. I agree. It's a fantastic book uh, out in, and it's out in paperback now. Um, and it also has at the end, of course, you know, Lem is primarily a poet and it has some of his mm. poems at the end, which yeah. I think um, is, is a really nice addition uh, for those people who might, might have come to the book not, not knowing his poetry before hand um and it is and there is hope in the book and there's a lot of um you know he he reconnects with his Ethiopian uh roots um which has become hugely important to him I think um as an adult and he meets some bad social workers but he also has a really great social worker as well you know as well so there's a bit of light Mm. and hope there there too I think this book um is fantastic. I read it and my husband read it and my mum read it all together over the course of a weekend because you, you can read it quite quickly mm-hmm. and had lots of really interesting conversations after we after we'd yeah. finished it. Yeah, it's really good. And the other one that I was going to mention, which is Natives by Akala. So I'm currently yeah. listening to this on audiobook. Me I too. think so is Rebecca. Um, yeah. Very on brand in, in the department in the department. Um and yeah, I think I know a lot of people like in my family and friends who won't read fiction really, but at Christmas will read nonfiction because, you know, they want to like learn about things and that's fair enough. Uh, and I think this book is just so interesting and informative. Um, Carl is a performance poet um, and he is grew up in the UK. Uh, he was mixed race and he grew up with primarily with his white mother, so the book's called Natives, Race and Class in the Ruins of Empire. And it really is kind of looking at the history of, I guess, British imperial rule and how race and class kind of affect each other. And it, yeah, it has quite a, bro- a broad look at society and he touches on a lot of different topics. But within that is also some memoir and kind of his own reflections and parts about his own life. And yeah, I'm just finding it really fascinating really quite powerful I, his narrative voice is very kind of matter of fact and to the point uh and you the audiobook's actually read by him so it feels very like you're getting his kind of personality if that's the right word so yeah I'm just absolutely I'm really really enjoying it I feel like a lot of people who are interested in kind of history and social history um would would find it brilliant I agree. I think it's a, it's really accessible. I think listening to him read it, as you say, is fantastic because he is a performance poet. So he, you know, he's great at doing mm. that. And um, I think just after the year we've had, it's really interesting to hear something, some more about Black history, Black British history, and and kind of the wider context. I mean, to me, Akala's always Ms. Dynamite's brother. That's what, I, that's what I've always thought of him as. So it was kind of kind of interesting for me to read this and sort of think of him as a person in his own, very much his own right. But um, he does mention that fact, I think, in the book as well mm. um, and talks about how successful he and his sister have been um, and sort of um, 
but then sort of urges and says this is not typical we are you know we have done really extraordinary things with our careers um and then goes on to talk a lot about about how and 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 why um I've just been listening to another audiobook actually which is um Samantha Irby's essay collection wow no thank you which Mm. is really funny she's reading it um which I think is adds adds to it and it's just a very funny essay collection from Samantha who's a uh, an American funny American writer and she's about to turn 40 and she's looking back on her life and reflecting on how she can't party and go out in the ways that she used to and um she's just very acerbic and funny and it's a really great book I think to dip into and again would make a brilliant Christmas present um and we'll have uh, particularly for for women of of around that age I think who'll probably identify a lot with it um another essay collection that's out this Christmas is David Sedaris's um The Best of Me which is a collection of his stories and essays from I think the whole of his career Mm. and that will be hilarious I've not read it but he's always so funny and again if you're looking for a bit of a laugh over Christmas I think that would make a fantastic present yeah I think that really would and I think you're right uh it is sometimes nice to have some jolly jolly books in there as well a bit of levity exactly um some nice coffee table books out aren't there as well yeah Um, definitely this Christmas I've got one I hope he's not listening to this but I have this a gift for somebody in my family which is um bookshop tours of Britain by Louise Boland which is from an indie press called Fairlight Books and um it's just a really gorgeous coffee table book and it's a tour of independent bookshops all over Britain and little maps you can follow and Mm. photos of the bookshops and just for any book lover I think is a lovely present and also a bit of a hopeful present because it's sort of looking to a time when we can get out and about again and can can travel around um visiting and supporting our independent bookshops again Mm. uh, in person rather than online which I think is something a lot of us are missing yeah definitely I think a lot of people will be missing that kind of browsing the independent bookshops this Christmas uh we should say actually that you'll find a link um, in the kind of show notes to all of the books we're mentioning on bookshop.org, which actually gives kind of like a kickback uh, to independent bookshop, bookshops if you buy through there. So if you do want to support indie bookshops, that would be a good place to do it. Please do. My coffee table book is also uh, a bookish one, kind of unsurprisingly. And um, I think it was last year or the year before that, Uh, Thames and Hudson, the publisher, brought out The Writer's Map by Hugh Lewis-Jones, which is a kind of beautiful illustrated book that is kind of full of maps from famous books and these kind of imagined literary maps uh, in this big compendium. So, you know, everything from kind of Narnia and Lord of the Rings, all the classics. uh, And I know that went down really well with some people I had bought it for and it is really really beautifully illustrated um, and really nice because it's got so many classics and children's books in and they've come out with a kind of similar one this year Hugh Lewis-Jones called Archipelago an Atlas of Imagined Islands and it's the same kind of thing Uh, so kind of looking at Robinson Crusoe and Atlantis and Utopia and all of these I love stuff like that that's kind of like uh, historic like fiction 
but history like it feels like you know you're learning about something even though it's all made up uh, I think it's mm-hmm. nice to kind of see that so I think that would be a really nice one as well that sounds gorgeous and what are your crime book picks for this mm. year Grace because that is your specialist subject I always think it crime is books. I do love a crime or a thriller and um, so I think on the topic of particularly Christmassy ones I definitely recommend The Darkest Evening by Anne Cleves so this is a Vera novel I'm sure everyone knows what Vera is Um, and it's set kind of mid to late December just before Christmas and it's so atmospheric of there's a big snowstorm right at the start of the book and basically Vera finds a baby abandoned in a car up in Northumberland Um, and then it's a really interesting one actually because in this book you find a lot more about Vera's backstory which I think anyone who's like a massive diehard Vera fan would be very interested in but to be honest I often pick up the books out of order um, and I think it's a book you can definitely enjoy as a standalone kind of as all Anne Cleves books are Anne Cleves is just the most reliable person for getting a really kind of plotty atmospheric um, just generally good crime book and it has a northern twist which I'm always a fan of um Mm -hmm. also really enjoyed if you prefer something like a little bit more psychological thrillery um it was After the Silence by Louise O'Neill obviously Louise O'Neill's you know written in a lot of different genres for YA so I'm kind of I think more kind of fantastical stuff but this is like I say psychological thriller set on an island a remote island off the coast of Ireland and initially it's your quite you know classic uh, a woman died 10 years ago and a documentary crew have basically come to investigate it and you're focusing on one family who live on the island uh, a local girl and her husband who's a very rich English guy and as the book goes on you know you kind of find out what their relationship was to the girl but I thought it was really satisfying and unput downable in the way that I think you want well I know I always want to do that on Christmas day just sit down with a thriller and not put it down but it also Mm. I think talked about some really brought up some really interesting ideas actually and did a couple of things a little bit different um I don't want to say what but I think that one's a great one um Mm -hmm. and then Your House Will Pay by Steph Char so this is an interesting one this is um a very kind of like literary thriller um and it's set in LA um, and it's a dual perspective novel looking at one black family and one Korean American family and this is a book where it's so pacey there's so many kind of reveals and uncoverings even within the first kind of 10 pages so I don't want to give any spoilers away but it looks at um, immigration in America it looks at race it kind of Parts of it are set in the 90s around the time of Rodney King and the LA uprising. It's such a smart book. Um, Again, very pertinent for now. It's actually based on a true story, which I found very disturbing um, at the end when you've read it. But yeah, it's really plotty and, you know, satisfying. But again, it's saying a lot and it's really beautifully written. And yeah, I'd love to see more people reading that this year. I think it would be a great Mm. recommendation. And then finally, one that I haven't read yet, but it is on my own list. Uh, which is Eight Detectives by Alex Pavisi. Um, this one sounds great. It's kind of a a crime book inspired by a lot of other classic crime books. And I've heard from people that it does kind of put the flip the genre on its head a bit, but it also sounds just quite cosy. And yeah, I just can't wait to be reading that on Christmas Day. Yeah, I think it sounds really interesting. So some of the children's books I'd like to recommend um, as presents this year 
um, include A Dancer's Dream, which is by Catherine Woodfine and illustrated by Lizzie Stewart. It's a picture book, a retelling of the Nutcracker story, and it's set in St. Petersburg. Catherine Woodfine is a, a really beautiful writer and she writes the Sinclair Mystery series. Um, this is suitable for ages five upwards and I think would be a really lovely lovely Christmas gift. Another book that um, I've loved this year is The Book of Hopes, which is edited by Catherine Rundell and was published by the publisher um, sort of as a PDF free of charge really early on in lockdown so that families and children could share it. And it's a collection of an anthology collection um, with contributions from writers from Michael Morpurgo and David Almond and Jacqueline Wilson to newer writers like Anjali Rofe and Shana Jackson. And it's full of illustrations as well from people like Lauren Child and Tom Percival and Axel Scheffler. It's a really gorgeous book um, full of uh, comfort and humour and silly things. But also it's just so hopeful, as the title suggests. And um, it, the hard copies just come out in time for Christmas. Um, I read the book with two eight year olds over Zoom during lockdown. Every week we read a different part of it. And um, it's gorgeous. And I'm going to get them both the finished copy for their Christmas presents this year. Really nice. Um, For slightly older children, um, Northeast writer and historian David Olasoga has um, published a um, a version of Black and British. Black and British, a short essential history is is, um, a version of his Black, Black and British history book that came out a few years ago and this is aimed um, at young people from about 12 years old and upwards I think that would be um, a really good Christmas present and finally um, for older readers I'd recommend A Snowfall of Silver which is by the writer Laura Wood who is um, a a YA writer and uh, she writes for younger children too um, who I love. Um, A Snowfall of Silver is perfect for fans of I Capture the Castle and Eva Ibbotson and um, is set in the early 1930s and follows a touring theatre company um, around England and uh, a girl called Freya who's 18 and wants to become an actress. It's also a little bit Noel Stratfieldy mm. as well. Um, it's probably for readers I'd say 12 to 13 upwards, but I think lots of adults, including me, really, really enjoy Laura Wood's writing because it's just so comforting and gorgeous. This is a sort of sequel to her earlier book, um, A Sky Painted Gold. It can be read on its own, but it follows um, some members of the same family. um, And it's lovely for those who've read A Sky Painted Gold to, to see what they're up to in this book. It's just a beautiful, snowy, romantic, comforting read. And anyone up to the age of from the ages of 12 to 80 would enjoy it who if you like that kind of book I would say oh that sounds lovely thank you Rebecca and um, now we've got a, a special guest which is our colleague from New Writing North Will Mackey who has agreed to come on the podcast and share with us his uh recommendations for what would be a good Christmas gifts hi Will yeah hi hi Will thank you for having me no problem that's okay we're hoping Will Will is um is our resident poetry expert at New Writing North, and I'm hoping that one of the books um is going to have a poetry theme to it. You're going to say no? I'm going to say no. Well. Actually, um, I think the um expert is probably stretching it a little bit though. Um, but I'm kind of a poetry enthusiast. I think I suppose 
you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you asked me, you asked me before, invite me on if I could choose three books, which is kind of demanding in a way to to kind of narrow it down to three. But I've have done mm-hmm. that. So the first one, yeah, is a is a poetry title, um, and uh, it's this one. Uh, I'm going to show it to you anyway. It's a, a Portable Paradise by Roger Robinson. Uh, it's actually published in 2019, but um, you know, last year. But but it, it's so good. Uh, that I wanted to recommend it, and I read it this year as well. Um, it's it's um, published by People Tree Press, the Leeds-based um, publisher, in a really yeah. lovely edition, actually, with a, a, f- a cover photo by uh, the f- uh, author and photographer Johnny Pitts, whose book Athropian I'd incidentally also really recommend. Mm. So Roger Robinson is a poet who's based between London and Trinidad. Uh, he also writes short fiction, and he's a musician. Uh, he's been called a, a dub poet in the past. Um, he's written three collections and two pamphlets. I, I'd really recommend this book um, to anyone, actually. I mean, you don't have to be a regular poetry reader, reader. You don't have to be kind of engaged with the poetry scene. You don't even really have to like poetry, to be honest, to read it. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, he covers a whole broad scope of themes in the in the collection. So um, uh, racism, uh, the Grenfell, Grenfell Tower tragedy, uh, disaster, um, fatherhood, violence, the legacy of slavery. But he does all this with a kind of unifying vision and philosophy that runs through the collection and this kind of appreciation of, of the beauty and the joy in daily life as well. Uh, it's just profoundly wise, um, really, really moving book um, with kind of range of characters in it as well that, that, that are totally memorable in the, in the sort of way that you'd remember characters from, from a novel. It's quite hard for me to articulate what it, what it is I think it's so good about it actually without you reading it it's um you know it, that's that's how you appreciate it. it it does tackle this kind of like these really sort of hefty themes but there's such authenticity and dexterity dexterity in his writing and he's such a wordsmith uh the language is so beguiling um the sequence of poems about Grenfell for example is just like unbelievable yeah. it's intricate and really? sensitive and he does something that very few writers can do, I think, which is kind of showing the anger and the outrage, but also placing us right beside the people, um, beside the victims, I suppose you could say, in, in um, bringing us really into this this human human tragedy. It's just just incredible. Um, yeah, so obviously, I'm saying I really like it. it yeah, sounds it's brilliant. I will definitely be reading it. It, it won the um, T.S. Eliot Prize this year, kind of deservedly absolutely mm. deservedly um in my view uh i say if you're if you really if you're only going to read one poetry collection this year or in your life i'd, <laughs> I'd probably choose this one and if you're only going to read one poem this year i'd say to read the title poem a portable paradise that's one okay thank you noted um yeah and then sort of it's not a little bit different the other one the second one so i'm going to recommend is uh called Mark Mark Anchovy Pizza Detective. <laughs> so this is a middle grade novel. Uh, I don't know if, if either of you read it. No, I haven't actually. Who's so the it's author? By, it's by William Goldsmith. So, so oh, William's, yeah. okay. uh, William Goldsmith's uh, known as a graphic novelist. He's written these graphic novels for adults, uh, like like The Bind, which is, which is really good. Um, and this is his debut middle grade novel. It's about Colin, who is um, a boy uh, who lives with his parents above a pizza restaurant that his parents run in a town called Rufflington, which is a really boring town where nothing happens. Uh, so Colin 
as well as being a pizza delivery boy for his parents, he wants to be a detective. So he's kind of doing this by it's like a secret code that that if you want, if you're looking for a detective, you ask for extra anchovies on your pizza, and then Colin comes round. But the problem is that in Rufflington, there's no crime. It's just really boring. Um, so he's this detective where there's no there's no detecting to do. Anyway, he meets this um, he meets this girl called Princess Skewer who father runs a, a kebab uh, takeaway called King Skewer. And Princess Skewer is kind of, um, there's more to her than, than you realise. She's um, actually part of this secret organisation called the GSL, which is the Golden Spatula League, which is the, um, the greatest organisation of catering detectives in existence. Um, oh, wow. So Princess Skewer recruits Colin into this organisation of uh, detectives, all of whom are kind of under the age of 16. And he becomes an apprentice detective in the GSL. Um, all the catering detectives are kind of recruited because they have a special gift. And Colin's gift is his amazing, amazing memory, um, which makes him a very accomplished detective. So, yeah, it's really good. Really kind of fast paced by mystery feel to it. Um, just a really... Sounds yeah, brilliant. it's a really, really good um, debut children's book, and I think the first in a series. Um, if you like jokes about pizza, there's, <laughs> I mean, you'd be happy. Anchovies. Yeah, there's actually there's actually a whole chapter in I, I mentioned Nigella's new book at the start of this. There's actually a whole chapter on the anchovy in that book. I'd be in trouble book. in that yeah. book because I would always be ordering. I always order extra anchovies on my pizza, so I'd have Colin turning yeah. up constantly. So does Nigella. Because the kind of idea of that wow. is that literally no one orders extra anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do, that's why it's it's a like an emergency. But you obviously break the rule there. Because um, I like I like anchovies actually, but in moderation. I think they're the best pizza topping. Mm. So. Me too. Me too. Well, that sounds great. And what's your final choice, Will? So the third one uh, was kind of maybe a, a more, maybe a bit of an obvious one, which is Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, which oh, yeah. if you yeah, guys read. Both have. Of course. You, Wonderful. Yeah, of course you, you have. Yeah. So um, I really like Maggie O'Farrell's writing, um, like in, in general, all the, the, all the books that I've read of hers um, and this, these kind of recurring themes you get in her books recurring kind of icons and stuff as well uh, i thought this is you know people say it's her best novel i think it's kind of one of her best novels not not perhaps not in my humble opinion the best <laughs> one but i think I've, i've really i really loved it um so as 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 you know it's kind of uh, this uh, story of of shakespeare's son hamnet who tragically died when he was a boy and it it's told largely from this perspective of his of um of his wife Anne or Anya as she's known in the book. Uh and the family um story is is just captured like really, really poignantly and, and tenderly tenderly, I thought, and um this kind of overwhelming kind of building tragedy through the through the, the book. I I mean there's a lot of things I liked about it, but I think that if you're approaching a historical character who is so ubiquitous, um as Shakespeare and you don't centre the story on that person that's just like exceptionally accomplished the, the way that she manages to kind of not have him as a distraction in in, in mm. the story um, and to focus on the on the on Hamnet and on on Agnes is just uh, just it was was brilliantly accomplished just so um so good to read 
She never, she never names, she never names Shakespeare. We know that he, we, we, we understand that the, the lead character is, is married to, to William Shakespeare, but he's never mentioned by name. No, he's not, he's not mentioned by name. He's mentioned as like, um, as like the school teacher or whatever. And uh, later on as the, the, as Hamlet's father, that kind of way, like indirectly. Um, So that you don't, find yourself kind of drawn into that that sort of myth of who he is all the time and he remains yes. a slightly kind of enigmatic character in it but there were, yes. I mean there were loads of things in it that I, that, that, that I really liked I don't know about you too but yeah I loved it I thought it was so oh, moving um in a very kind of I don't know I just think it was such a good I loved the relationship between Hamlet and kind of his siblings and I thought the structure was really interesting and sort of where the action happens in the pages of the book and then the kind of aftermath I just yeah I really I don't really like historical fiction overly usually but I absolutely love that it's it's an extraordinary book and um one that I think will do really really well in paperback as well it will come out in paperback really soon um yeah fantastic and actually Maggie O'Farrell has a children's book out this Christmas which is um something I was I was going to mention which is called um Where Snow Angels Go and it's an illustrated um Christmas story that looks I haven't read it yet but it looks absolutely beautiful mm. and, and if it's written by Maggie O'Farrell I imagine it's 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 really beautiful to read I think they're uh, reissuing well. all of her backlist as well I saw this morning in like a really beautiful new covers and new editions and I'm not sure if they're going to be out in time for Christmas but if there is a Maggie O'Farrell fan in your life that would probably be a good present as well. I think it'd be a great present yeah I mean I, I really would recommend uh, like all our books to be honest not necessarily that one if, if someone's thinking of a present. I would too. Um, but um, that is a, a pretty brilliant one to start with. And I think it's really good that you're recommending it, Will, as a man, because I think a lot of, I think it's probably mainly women that read it. We were talking about Eleanor Ferrente earlier and I was saying I felt frustrated because I think there's so much in her books that that um, a lot of men would really enjoy, but they're sort of marketed and, and, and sort of talked about as, as women's books, which is not really the case. And I think that's exactly the same for, for Maggie O'Farrell as well. It's so universal. I think it is, yeah. I mean, another person is um, Anne Tyler as well, who I really love. And 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 oh, um, yeah. her books are sometimes, I don't know, not not necessarily geared towards the market of 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 men out there. I suppose, um, although they're, they're mm. just incredible. Like for for, I mean, not we could talk about Antila or like for another <laughs> two hours. We could do a whole podcast. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of interesting. I think the other extraordinary thing about uh, Hamnet is though that it's it's about you know a plague coming to our country, coming to England, and for most of us, we were reading it again during this very strange year um absolutely which sort of felt a bit like a plague year and and of course she had no idea when she was writing it that that was going to be the case but it sort of I think gives a sort of heightened feeling when you're reading it that there's a sort of parallels between then there are and a lot now. of parallels aren't there? The, the, you know, the quarantining uh with the, you mm. know things like the theatre's being shut as well and just yeah the the, the fear of it as well, the looming, looming yeah. um, threat of it everywhere. Plague. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Oh, well, they're really great suggestions. Thanks, Will, um, to add to our list. And, and we'll add those to the list of, of books we'll have at the bottom of, uh, of this recording. Okay. Um, well, we're nearing the end of the podcast. And as it is a Christmas-themed podcast, we thought that we would share our favourite Christmas books. 
Grace, would you like to tell us what your favourite Christmas yep, book um, is? Yeah, I'll also just say that I am wearing a Christmas jumper. Obviously, that doesn't really transfer to an audio format, but just know <laughs> that I made the effort. Um, so I'm not sure that it's my favourite. It's the most recent one I read, and I think it's a very good book to read at Christmas, and I loved it. And it was Twas the Night Shift Before Christmas by Adam Kay. So I loved This Is Going to Hurt by Adam Kay. I feel like most people did. It was such a huge book a couple of years ago. Adam Kay was a junior doctor uh, and it's his sort of diaries that he kept throughout that time. Towards the Night Shift Before Christmas is a very kind of small companion novel of his diary entries from over the, I think he worked five Christmas days and Christmas periods in the six years that he worked as a junior doctor. So it's his diaries from around that time. And he'd said that in the first book, all of the stories were left out because they were either too Christmassy or too gruesome. Um, And so what you're left with is a very, I mean, it's hilarious. I think Adam Kay is so funny. It really made me laugh. It is also quite, um, in parts, disgusting, in parts, very upsetting as well. Uh, You know, Adam Kay is very, like, passionate about the NHS, despite not working as a doctor anymore and the pressures that it's under. But, yeah, I read it the other night. It only took me an hour and a half, and I had the tree up, and, yeah, it just felt very Christmassy. and, And if you did like This Is Going to Hurt or someone did, it's a perfect kind of stocking filler, I think. Yeah. How about you, Will? Um, yeah, it, it also doesn't, obviously doesn't really transfer, but I'm wearing a Christmas jumper as well. <laughs> um, or yeah, not. not. Exactly. Uh, so I suppose I, I, I was thinking about this uh, for about half an hour, but I think I, I've gone for like a slightly kind of classic one, which is um, the Dylan Thomas uh, book, A Child's oh. Christmas in Wales, which... Um, it's a it's a prose piece by by Dylan Thomas, and it, uh, it's all kind of his you know obviously uh, his memory of of being a kid in Christmas at Christmas time, but also it's it's also a reflection on memory as well, um, and the way that different Christmases combined in in your memories of of, of childhood and the people around you. And I used to um, read it when I was when I was a kid or have it read to me actually um when I was like really young there's this bit the, the, nearly in the beginning of it was a, a bit about um where he and this uh, other kid uh called Jim uh a snowballing the cats which I just like I, <clears throat> I sort of never never forgotten about that really it's the sort of image that I've had in my mind um for a long long time chucking snowballs at the poor, poor cats and things <laughs> but yeah I think it's just like um it's, it's a, classic a classic and something you can read over and over again or have read to you, I think. Um, or yeah. find a recording of Dylan Thomas reading it as well. If you, you know. Oh, oh, I might do that. That would be gorgeous. It's in lots of, um, it always appears in, in Christmas anthology books. I'm a fan of the Christmas anthology book. My most favourite, most recent favourite is the Faber book of Christmas, which is which came out a couple of years ago and has a is covered in, beautiful liberty print fabric and i'm pretty sure the dylan thomas an extract from the dylan thomas is in that um it's um it's just sort of timeless yeah absolutely my favorite yeah definitely my favorite christmas book is also a classic i'm going to read you the opening line and i'm going to see if you can if you can identify what it is i think you'll be able to christmas won't be christmas without any presents grumbled joe lying on the rug it's so dreadful to be poor, sighed Meg, looking down at her old dress. <laughs> mm, is it a jolly Christmas postman? <laughs> it's not a jolly God, Christmas that is postman, a good although that is very yeah. good. Mm. That is an absolute classic. Um, 
Grace, you, any other thoughts? Well, we know what it is, don't we? Yeah, it's Little Women. It's Little Women by Louisa May Alcott, which I think is probably my favourite. It's not obviously the book is a lot more than Christmas, but I think kind of like you're saying, Will, having had it read to me and then having read it myself so many times, it's one of the most, I guess, one of my most memorable opening lines in in literature. It's hard. It's it's really hard to um, not think of it as a Christmas book just because of that opening scene and and taking their breakfast to the, donating their breakfast to the Hummels and and Beth getting ill and all of that stuff. And um, I just think it is quite a perfect um, avocation of Christmas. I also absolutely love the films yeah. as well. I watched the, the first, I, I don't know the very first film, actually, I've never seen that, but the Elizabeth Taylor and June Allison film was the one I watched every Christmas when I was really little. Then when as a teenager, I watched the Winona Ryder and... Um, Susan Sarandon version which is great I think it was out in about 1994 I'd really recommend that and now that's been replaced by the incredible Greta Gerwig version which was out last year which has topped all of them for me and that that is what I will be re-watching this Christmas it's and for the, anyone that hasn't seen it I would really urge you to it's it's just it was my favorite film of the last year and is so clever and weaves actually Louisa May Alcott's own life and experiences into the film and into the character of of Joe, who was a who was a sort of autobiographical, semi-autobiographical character. Um, so I'd really recommend that. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely film, film. Which kind of isn't it gorgeous? And I think met like loads of men I know have loved it as well. Most, I don't know anyone actually that's disliked it, but I feel like it is just yeah, I think it's I think it's better the, than the the 90s yeah. film actually, um, which I think, I think it pains me to say it, but yeah, it, yeah. it is. You're the right. TV series was good though um, a few years ago. Yeah, Heidi Thomas yeah. adapted it um, for for the, for the BBC, and um, that was wonderful. I mean, Heidi Thomas as a TV writer is just brilliant at Christmas. Um, I, I don't watch Call the Midwife, but I know lots of people that do, and I know that her. Christmas special for that is always eagerly anticipated by all kinds of people and her adaptation of I Capture the Castle Mm. as well is absolutely incredible and a very cosy thing to watch at Christmas if you can get hold of it um Christmas films then Will have you got a favorite Christmas film yeah so I think I'd go for um It's a Wonderful Life which is an obvious classic um the Frank Capra um film starring James Stewart which um which he used to watch a lot my mum was a big fan of James Stewart and we we would watch kind of all his films but, but and that that one would be on tv uh, around Christmas time I know that it's obviously it's not better you know not to have streaming but in the days when there were only kind of four channels <laughs> it was a big event when you kind of all sat down in front of the tv to watch a film that was being yes. shown and um it used to feel like that with that one, which I just, you know, it's, it's, it comes back to the cinemas every year as well. Um, and uh, you can never see it enough times, I think. No, I love Frank Capra. Absolutely love his films. How about you, well, Grace? I feel uh, less of a classic. Well, it depends who you talk to. Cult classic has to be Love Actually. I'm not ashamed. I think mm-hmm. it's just such, I don't know, it brings me so much joy. I watch it at least twice every season. I have been known to watch it outside of the month of December um, <laughs> in my past. But yeah, I mean, it's just 
it's just fun, isn't it? I love a big, com like, uh, collaborative cast, and I don't think any film's ever done it very well. I think a lot of people have tried to do the Love Actually thing with all the different characters. Um, I'm not going to name names, but, you know, the, the terrible film Valentine's Day or the terrible film New Year's Eve, but I think it works in Love Actually. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, it's a cracking soundtrack as well. The song's pretty good. You know, the, the, um, the song that Bill Nye does? Yeah. No one does Christmas like Richard Curtis. He's great yeah, at it, isn't he? Definitely. Really great at it. I, I actually went to see back. This makes me feel very old. I went to I remember going to see I was working in uh, for an agency in London at the time. And I went to like a very early screening <laughs> of Love, actually, before it was out in the cinemas. And it was just the most festive it, it felt like I was in the in a Richard Curtis yeah. film at London was all lit up and there was mulled wine and it was just very magical so it gives that I do have nice memories of of seeing that um and yeah brilliant soundtrack I mean it's very hard to pick a favorite it Christmas is. song isn't it very hard if you had to Grace what would um it be? I think it would be Merry Christmas War is Over by John and Yoko or sorry I had to say two mm -hmm. can abide by the rules um Christmas open brackets baby please come home close brackets by Darlene Love I think that's such a good song sure yeah Great. I think well I, I mean I was I was I thought I might say War is Over as well because it, oh, it's no, a weird uh, but it's um it's a weird sort of song that one because it's kind of strangely kind of cynical isn't it in a way oh. and it's an odd dis like mix of disappointment and hope but it's a complete opposite of um the mccartney song yeah. um the uh, the one uh whatever it's called jingle Mulligan the other one um his mccartney christmas song wonderful yeah, christmas that one, that. time so war is over is total opposite mm. of that anyway i won't say that one because grace grace said it so i i think mm. um i'll go for um our Christmas Wrapping by Curtis Blow, oh, which is a hip hop yeah. classic from the late 1970s. That's Curtis with a K, it if is. anyone's going on Spotify. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, just, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a great one. But there are so many that you could select, really. I think my favourite Christmas song is River by Joni Mitchell. It's very mm. sad, but I love Joni so much. It appears in Love, actually, I think. And quite a few other films including you've got mail which is one of my all-time favorite it's not really a christmas film but christmas does feature in it um so i would have to say Joni. although i really like the songs that you guys have mentioned as well and sadly for us normally in normal times grace and will and i sit together in an office and have good fun playing our christmas compilations and singing oh. along well maybe i'd be wrong <laughs> But not to be not to be this no. year. Um, this is kind of the closest I think we'll get. So it's been quite nice to um, it has to get together and reminisce. Yeah, absolutely. I think River's a great song as well. Actually, so um, yeah, I guess that's probably is is one of the best ones. When you think about it. Yeah, like so many of Joni's songs, I think it is. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Will. Uh, Merry Christmas and. Thank you, Rebecca, for another successful podcast. We've now done autumn and Christmas. So we hope you all enjoyed it. And we'll see you in spring for some more book recommendations. And yeah, you can order any of the books that we've discussed from the link in the show notes. Happy Christmas. 
and happy Christmas. <laughs>